0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's July 19th,
1: 1885, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ollie. The Retrospectors. When you think of surfing... You inevitably imagine, I'm sure, long-haired, chilled-out, bored dudes. Your mind probably doesn't leap to buttoned-up military students with HRH in their (laughs) names. But it was today in history, in 1885, that three Hawaiian princes studying at St Matthew's Military School in San Mateo first introduced surfing to California – with no bushy-bushy blonde hairdos in sight.
2: <laughs> yeah, the three Hawaiian princes were David Kawadanakoa, Edward Keliaia Honoway, and Jonah Kahui Kalana yep. Aniole. And they were, as you say, Ollie, studying in the Bay Area Military School, and they paddled out of the ocean off Santa Cruz on these 17-foot redwood planks, which seems to be an act of what was most likely summer boredom, a little bit of homesickness, and also their pure ingenuity to kind of fashion these boards and go out there themselves, but they instantly captured the imagination of the locals, not least because they were on a particularly busy beach when they did it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is what newspapers used to be like back in the day. The Santa Cruz Sentinel described the scene at the shore, uh, just so that you could pick up the, your copy of your newspaper and see what it was like at the beach the day before. And they write, <laughs> "'Sunday afternoon at the beach was one of the liveliest of the season. "'It was warm, very warm, but tempered by a breeze, "'which made the heat endurable and, and kept people good-natured. "'The young Hawaiian princes were in the water, "'enjoying it hugely and giving interesting exhibitions "'of surfboard swimming as practised in their native <laughs> islands.'"
1: Yes, and that's the thing, isn't it? You know, this is not the invention of surfing. They didn't do anything novel here in a sense. Surfing is an ancient Polynesian sport, probably around a 1,000 years old by this point. In the 1700s, it was being widely practised across Fiji and Tahiti, as well as in Hawaii. Surfers were naked back then. Um, partly as a show of prowess and strength, partly because I suppose no one was looking because you're in the middle (laughs) of the sea. Um, (laughs) um, And it had been written down that surfing existed by a Westerner as early as 1778 when Captain Cook observed natives riding the waves on wooden boards. So what they were doing is, in a sense, what any native Hawaiian would do if they went to Santa Cruz. Why wouldn't you try surfing there? I guess it was just sort of doubly impactful because people had never seen anything like it before on the west coast of the United States, and they were
2: royal. Yeah, and Kawananakoa and his brothers were there in the first place, I suppose, because this was part of the education that had been put in place by uh, Kawananakoa's king, uh, Kalakaua. And he basically said that future Hawaiian leaders should not only get their Hawaiian education, but then get broader education by traveling abroad. They actually had this 1880 Hawaiian Youths Abroad program. So these three boys got sent to St. Matthew's School, which was this private Episcopal uh, military school in San Mateo.
0: So just to kind of... Give an impression of who they were. David, the oldest, was kind of the charming slacker. You know, His future mother-in-law would later insist he signed a prenup before he married her daughter. Um, Edward was the small and sickly middle brother. He was pretty passed over. He was the only one, you know, I think we talked a bit, a bit about it in the Liliakwani episode, how uh, in Hawaiian culture it's traditional for people to be adopted. Well, David and Jonah were both adopted by the king and queen, and Edward, the middle brother, was the only one who wasn't. He was adopted by a princess instead. Mm. Uh, and he actually died not that long after this. He died very young. Jonah was athletic and spirited. His nickname was Prince Cupid. Um, (laughs) But he was tough as well. In 1901, he was enjoying a beer in a cafe in Switzerland when a young aristocrat called Count von Furstenheim demanded the waiter throw out, quote, that black man, and he thrashed him to the ground. And at this point in history, when they took to the water in Santa Cruz, they were aged 17, 16 and 14, respectively.
1: And all of that education did pay off. Uh, particularly in Jonah's case. He went on to be Hawaii's first delegate to the United States Congress. Uh, His birthday, March the 26th, is still celebrated as a national holiday in Hawaii. Um, and amongst various illustrious achievements, he created the Hawaiian Homes Commission Act, which is what promised native Hawaiians land for homes.
2: But aside from their political impact, the moment that we're talking about today is arguably even more significant in, you know, the not only the effect yeah. that they had on the US, but also the way that the, you know, what then became a really popular pastime, not only of Californians, but of Americans more broadly then spread around the world. It's possible that it didn't take off immediately in Santa cruise because the area where they were swimming had these really cold waters and very jagged points both uh, in the cliffs around the bay and also beneath your feet and it just meant that it wasn't an ideal surfing area but it was kind of down south where warmer waters and a more forgiving sandy bottom that's where really like Californian surfing took off but some years later really.
1: Yeah well to begin with people were just trying to imitate what they'd once seen You know, which is difficult if you've never made a surfboard, for example. I mean, these guys were quite comfortable, you know, felling a redwood and making a surfboard out of it, which in itself, by the way, was long, like longer than you'd think, more like an Olo board that you'd have in Hawaii, so up to seven metres long. When the locals tried to do it, they were using like ironing boards (laughs) and bits of old plywood and stuff like that. It took the development of a surf culture in Santa Cruz To create surfboards as we know it now and the culture around it, which supports it becoming an American sport, all the way up to, for example, Jack O'Neill, as in O'Neill the brand, who created the Mm. wetsuit for surfing. That wasn't until like the 60s or 70s.
0: Yeah, I mean, one significant factor that was keeping the average person out of surfing in this era was, as you mentioned, the size of the surfboards and their weight. It was like surfing on a you know, a dining room tabletop. A surfboard that weighed upwards of 50 kilos was common. It's pretty hard to strut down a beach with one of those under your arm. <laughs> I mean, in 1926, a surfer called Tom Blake created a hollow surfboard, which made the sport not only much faster, it, You know, it would have looked very different in this time to how it would look when you watch professional surfers now, but also so much more accessible. You have to be a very strapping young man in order to manage one of the surfboards that the Hawaiian princes were carrying on this day.
1: And or presumably have your own royal butler to hand. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Peel your
2: grapes and fan you.
0: (laughs) There could only have been, you know, one beach boy and then the others would have been his
2: servants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when Pete Peterson made the first fiberglass surfboard in 1946, that was really on the verge of that, Californian surf culture, and without a, fi- it doesn't sound very glamorous, but without a fiberglass board, laid-back surf culture wouldn't be possible.
1: And incidentally, all of that in 1946 is a really important era. All of that boom, just post-war, was the thing that really did it, because U.S. servicemen stationed in Hawaii had seen the Hawaiians actually surf, and then brought back something that was much closer to what the Polynesians had been doing.
2: Yeah, that's the funny thing. This moment where the Hawaiian princes brought surfing to Santa Cruz was kind of more lore that was shared orally for generations rather than actually being substantiated right up until the 1990s when Santa Cruz researchers managed to excavate through the history of like archival documents and photos in both Hawaii and California. And they located this and it really stirred up this wave of local pride for the, the, the thing that Santa Cruz had, in some sense, managed to contribute, though, as you're saying, Ollie, you know, the real breakthroughs came much, much later. It was only in 2010 that a plaque went up honouring the princes, and that was added to this bluff overlooking the beach in Santa Cruz. But then a few years after that, two of the princes' original redwood surfboards, which had been being stored and kind of largely forgotten about at a Honolulu museum, were loaned to Santa Cruz for an exhibit and on the final leg of the journey the boards were escorted around the the city's downtown area in a procession of 38 classic woody surf wagons and then there was this unveiling ceremony where apparently this solemn hush fell over the room and the Santa Cruz Sentinel captured the moment saying in the world of surfing they are the Rosetta Stone, the Shroud of Turin, the Hammer of Thor, they are the paintings on the cave walls at Lascaux, Shakespeare's first folio babe ruth's first bet they are the first surfboards
1: (laughs) so you may be wondering whether these princes uh, ever made it to britain to try surfing here and the answer brilliantly is yes Uh, jonah and david as you mentioned the third one sadly had passed by that point in the 1890s came to Bridlington, the Santa Cruz of Yorkshire.
2: <laughs> yeah, they were studying at the Royal Agricultural College of Cirencester from 1890 to 1891, <laughs> and uh, they became the first surfers of the British Isles and taught their English tutor, actually, John Wrightson, to surf on the beaches of Bridlington. So he became kind of the first ever British surfer, I suppose.
0: <laughs> yeah, he wasn't the most likely candidate. He was a 50-year-old agricultural. <laughs> professor if you google him there, there are photos of him and you don't look at him and think yeah i can see him you know on the surfing safari yeah
1: <laughs> tomorrow just makes you think god if i had to choose like these french jews I had to choose what name would i choose ditch the ads and get a sunday episode when you join club retrospectors patreon.com slash retrospectors